0: The sermon says a lot, quite apart from the words, because the words blend an argument with the personality of the man of God. And I'd like to talk tonight for a few moments about the voice, because the tone of the preacher's voice contributes to the nonverbal message. The voice is a highly personal instrument. allowing you to send more messages than even your clothing or your face. It is the voice, the voice alone that can send the message of anger or love or compassion or patience or eagerness or zeal or hope or fear. You can say to your people, I love you without ever saying the words I love you, simply by talking about their eternal good With a voice that says those exact affections. Since a speaker's voice communicates so widely, so universally, so unstoppably, then a good preacher, a wise preacher, a thoughtful preacher must constantly discipline himself to learn how to use that tool better. That's the point for tonight. Let me give you two points under the voice First of all, they are personal, and secondly, some practical instruction. Man's soul is a unique gift from God. And because we are made in God's image, this gift includes a personality. And how can our personality be communicated any more clearly than by our voice? Have you ever answered the phone and immediately understood who was talking on the other end? It's the voice. You could tell your wife's voice from 10,000 other voices, couldn't you? Well, we can all distinguish, distinguish each other by our voices because they are so unique. You remember that blind Isaac knew that Jacob, he was blind and deaf or getting going deaf, but he could even tell Jacob, this isn't my son Esau. By our voices, but not by our voices alone, we communicate all those affections of the human soul, the urgency, the fervency, the fire, the repulsion, which is hatred, sickness. We even communicate our own weakness through our voice. That means the message of humility can be can, can be communicated through our voice. So there are certain there are certain techniques, habits that send the message of humility or confidence or false humility or self-confidence rather than confidence in God and his word. So try saying this sentence with different passions. The time is almost finished. Uh, Uh, Alpheus, can you say the time is almost finished with fear? With fear. The time is almost finished and you're afraid. No? Lloyd, do you want to try? The time is almost finished. Say it with fear in your voice. The time is finished. (laughs) Colin? Colin? Okay? Now try to say the time is finished with happiness. Now the time is done and there's something good waiting for you. Caleb? The time is almost finished. Nico, happiness in your voice. Say the time is finished with happiness. The time is finished. Now, we, we are able, if we practice with this tool, to send the message of fear or of love or of joy or of hope we can send many messages if we will simply practice with that tool you naturally say the sentences the way your heart feels so if you practice saying sentences follow it if you practice saying sentences in order to be able to preach better you may become a hypocrite or an actor But if you draw near to God and think much of heaven until heaven and hell are alive in your soul and you see them in your eye and in your mind and in your heart, even as you're looking at the people to whom you're preaching between you and those people, you see the glories of heaven Brothers, I can tell you that I have sometimes looked out at Tsongas as I'm preaching to them and seen like a filter between the Tsongas and myself. It was as if I was looking through heaven to those people. And I hope they could tell this man loves you and wants you to be saved today. And there's no real way to get that without drawing your soul into those things. And seeing those things in your mind and in your heart. But when you do see those things, you will talk like you've seen them. Actors can do this. Preachers ought not to be actors. But there was a famous line in a George Whitfield biography. I shared it with you, I think, in the Whitfield biography. I think this year, if not two years ago when we did the biography. That... Uh, a pastor said to a famous actor at the time that Whitfield was alive, how is it that you actors talk about things that are not real and people believe you because they cry? They'll watch you on the stage and they'll cry while you're talking. But we pastors... We will talk. Both of us are professional talkers. You're a professional talker. I'm a professional talker. The pastor says to the actor. But when I talk, the people don't cry. When you talk, the people cry. And the actor said to the preacher. Do you know know what he said? Have you heard this quote? The actor said to the preacher, Oh, the difference is obvious. We actors talk about unreal things as if they were real. You preachers talk about real things as if they were unreal. You talk about hell, but there's no tear in your eye. There's nothing in your voice to say, don't go there. There's nothing in your voice that says, come, come, come to heaven. There's nothing in your voice that says, I have tasted the wine. I have eaten the bread. And Jesus is delicious and beautiful and glorious. You've got to have this. You can't wait another moment without this pleasure. Is there anything in your voice that says that? The actor said, hey, we get paid a lot of money to look at Fiction, and treat it like it's history. You get paid money to look at history and you talk about it like it's fiction. May God give us grace to use our voices. Because voices communicate the personalities behind them, the best long-term solution for the preacher's voice is to adjust his heart's loves. Underline that. Letter G in your notes. If you want to grow in your skill with you losing, using your voice, the best way to grow is to draw near to God in secret prayer, in fasting, in meditation, walking through the mountains by yourself and thinking about God. That is going to be the way to get your voice to be affected. The best way, the surest way, the, lo- the long-term solution. And one reason that some pastors speak with a boring voice is that they've never learned how to meditate. They have no practice or habit of meditating on the glory of the truths they're about to talk about. They don't know how to meditate. They don't know how to, how to savor the sweetness of anything. Have you ever tasted some delicious pudding or dessert Or sweet and thought, oh, this is so smooth and perfect. Have any of you ever had those little candies called amajoyas? Had the Amajoya candies? Are they nice? Do you crunch on them quickly? Or do you suck on them slowly? What do you do? One of the reasons you do that is you want the pleasure to last longer. Do you know how to do that with the glory of God? That's what eternity is, by the way. It's going to be sucking on your candy for millions of years. And it will never lose its flavor. A boring preacher is boring because he has not ever savored The taste of the wonder of God himself. Small souls have boring voices. If your voice is tepid, you need to deepen your soul. Well, voices show our personality. They communicate the depth of our fellowship with God. How can we adjust that? I've given you one hint toward that, and that is know God. Draw near to God. Learn God. Think of God. Let me give some examples here or some advice. Page 50, page 60. When you are looking for observations in the text, write down the feelings that God intends his people to feel when they hear these words. That's number 50 in the list of observations. You're going through your text. Don't forget that... That there is a feeling that you are supposed to feel in that text. What is that feeling? Write it down. Think about it. Bring it before your mind. Get a habit. Every time you look at the Bible of asking, what kind of feeling would be a Christian feeling here? And slowly, you can't force it. You can't force it. It's going to take a lot of time for the... For for the marinade to get into that meat, have you, I don't know if that's a common Tsonga, Venda, Shona practice. Do any of you ever soak meat overnight so that when you bry it, it will be, it will have the flavor all through it? Before I married Amy, I, I liked to think of myself as the king of the slow cooker. The slow cooker is that machine that you turn it on for at least six hours but I would buy maybe a, a KG roast and I would invite six or eight people from the church over before I was married and I would take a pork roast and I learned this from someone I don't remember where. On pork, you take one can of Coke, 300 mil or 350 mil, and you pour it all over that roast and you let it go for 12 to 16 hours in the slow cooker on low, the lowest possible setting. And you just let it soak and soak. So this is what I would do on a Wednesday. Wednesday we had our prayer meeting. So early morning Wednesday, sometimes I'd get up at two in the morning to turn on the slow cooker, have the meat sitting in there, wake up at two, turn it on, go back to bed. And then I come back from church at say eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. And I would have six or eight or ten friends with us. And as soon as you stepped into that apartment, here's a little 24-year-old set. And you open the door. And that that kg of pork in that Coke has been going for now 16, 17 hours on the lowest possible. And the, the acid from the Coke has cut into every vein and every aspect of that roast and you can smell you could smell it before you open the door and when you put your fork in no knives I wouldn't even allow people to use knives you just touch it with a fork it's so soft that is what our souls must be like with God and you can't force it. I know what we all want to do. When you hear a lecture like this, you're gonna say, okay, letter A. I'm gonna go out and get ready for my sermon. I'm gonna mark down feeling, fear. Got it. Fear, 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 fear. You can't do that. If, if, if I would have taken the Coke and rubbed it on the, the, the pork, would that make the taste? You, 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 the only way is time. The only way is time. You're going to have to get up every morning and read your Bible for a year. And when you read 1 Peter, ask yourself, what passion and emotion is this verse supposed to communicate to my soul? What's it supposed to say to my heart? It's supposed to say urgency? It's supposed to say hatred? It's supposed to say sickness? Is it supposed to say joy? Is it supposed to say love or patience or kindness. What is it saying to me? If you will do that for a week, something will start to change. If you'll do that for a month, we'll feel the change. If you'll do that for a year, you will be persuasive to the people you talk to. It will come out in your voice. Letter B. You may want to put those words in your outline. I do not do that, but a book that I read recommended that you write in your outline. When you have your outline of all the things you're going to say, beside the different points, you would write down joy, urgency, fervency, fire, seriousness, anger, hatred. Letter C. Practice. Practice. What passions fit with these, with these propositions? Quote, our ears will be pierced by the angel's trumpet, announcing the return of the Lord. Practice. So ask yourself right now, what passions fit with that statement? Lloyd, what passions fit with that? Our ears will be pierced by the angel's trumpet, announcing the return of our Lord. Fervency, joy, expectancy, hope, compassion, excitement, practice. Letter D, your voice will become better as you learn how to speak from listening to good models. Now, that is a very helpful, practical way. It is not the best long-term way, but it is a good, helpful, practical way. Lloyd-Jones is a great communicator. Listen to him. Find good communicators who know how to use the tool of the voice and listen to them. The tool of the voice includes making the consonants clear. Consonants are the things that distinguish the words. Consonants take no time except for S and F. But T, D, K, B, L, those don't take time. Consonants distinguish the sounds. So some preachers struggle to clearly articulate their consonants. You're going to have to make sure that every consonant is clearly articulated. If you have a habit of blurring your words together, then practice speaking more slowly until each sound is clearly articulated did you hear the way I just did it? Yes, sir. I might also add, if you speak Tsonga and you're speaking to a white person who's trying to learn Tsonga, always speak slowly and articulate. <laughs> if you think that I speak quickly with English, that's how we think that you speak with Shona or Venda. <laughs> Practice articulation. It is the consonants that are going to be the big trouble. Because the consonants blur together with other syllables. Most syllables have to have a consonant. Unless you're speaking Chavenda. (laughs) Arua. Most syllables in most languages have a consonant in there. But the problem is going to be if you have a habit of not articulating the consonants, you will blur them together. Which is why my son says yes sir or no sir to me. And I can't tell if he said the word yes or the word no. Because he has formed a habit of slurring no sir. Did he just say yo to be a yes? Or did he just say no which would be a no? No. There was an O sound, but there was a ye, I thought. And then he he cuts off because the sir, maybe the S of the sir was part of the yos. Or maybe there was, maybe, yos sir. Was it, what was it? Was the S, oh, which one was that? But we all get in that habit. Sometimes I speak too quickly and my consonants are not clear. So when you use your voice, Practice articulation. There was a young man in our church, Tony Pelk, who was very careful with his articulation. I heard him always speaking very clearly. Tony Pelk was always articulating his letters very clearly. And that is what we need to do. We need to articulate very carefully, but be careful that you're not pedantic, always speaking like a robot, careful to announce each letter. How would it sound if we say, Han-di-zi-vi"? who speaks like that? How do we say it? No, 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 say it quickly the way everyone says it in life. Yeah, right, right, right. And in Songa, what do we say? But quickly, how do we say it quickly? <laughs> and you'll hear them say anteem. Yeah, what, what? What was that? What did you say? But don't we do that in English? Dunno. Do you know what dunno means? Dunno is what lazy people say for I don't know. Dunno. Articulate clearly and carefully. Letter E, since most of scripture deals with heavy, sober, eternal matters, our voices should be specially tuned to these kinds of traits. Letter F, as your argument develops, your voice should develop. It is not the absolute pitch or the dynamic force, but underline this. Letter F, the relative dynamic increment, which produces the impression of power and animation. It's that phrase, relative dynamic increment. Relative dynamic increment is this. There was a man who had a son. And the son turned his back on his father. Went into the far country. And there he was lost. But he came back to his father and said, Father, forgive me. Did you hear what I just did in that story? Where did I start? There was a relative dynamic increment. A slow increase. A growth. And it was proportional. I did not say... There was a man in the far country whose son was lost! Don't do that. It's got to be a relative increment. Don't, don't jump farther than should be jumped. Your people will fall in the water behind you. Look at the rest of this quote by Dabney It is the relative dynamic increment which produces the impression or power of, of power and animation. He, therefore, who is already loudest where the sentiment was quiet, has deprived himself effectually of the power of expressing his rise to more vivid sentiments. He means if you waste your loudness on something that was not your main point, how, what are you going to do when you get to your main point? You're going to keep shouting? There was a very bad sermon preached by a Baptist minister in the United States. And my brother-in-law heard it. And urged me to listen to it. And I did listen to it. And it was a terrible sermon. Because of it's wicked theology. Where the man uh, said that um, uh, the father hated the son. And had no interest in the son. Uh, It was bizarre and evil theology. Um, As if there was a complete separation between father and son on the cross. But... What, uh, what was most shocking about this man and his terrible sermon was that he, he shouted very early in the sermon. And so he didn't have anywhere to go. So when he reached the point of climax of his sermon, and I listened to this because I was asked to critique the sermon. And I thought, I think I need to critique this carefully. So I critiqued it minute by minute, listening to it, Typing notes, writing in, minute seven, minute 8.30, 9.15, 10.42, as it goes. And I mark down early on, he's shouting already. And then he keeps shouting so that when he gets to his, quote, climax, he begins screaming. Is there a difference between being loud and shouting? Is there a difference between shouting and screaming? I don't want to illustrate it for you, but you know, you can be loud just by raising your voice. And that's not shouting, but shouting and screaming are different as well. And screaming and screeching are different as well. And this man even went to that. Because he he was such a poor communicator, he thought, let me jump to shouting to show off how intense I am. And then from intensity, where can I go? Better scream. I still want to go higher. Because I'm trying to make these people. Let me screech. That man a few years later was found to be a serial adulterer. Preying on teenagers in his church. And he's now in prison. But isn't that what we said? You don't learn to use your voice by shouting. You learn to use your voice Meditating on the person of God. Letter G: final one for tonight. The major elements of the voice are volume, rate and pitch. Is, these are technical divisions, but we need to know them. Volume is the loudness. It is the natural expression of anger, triumph, confidence, dogmatism, earnestness and the animated sentiments. The softer tones are situated for quiet narration. Didactic statement in the expression of gentle emotions. There is no caution more necessary for the ambitious young speaker. There is no caution more necessary for Nico, Caleb, and Colin than that Caleb must not be high and loud throughout his whole sermon. Rate. So that's volume. Rate. Rate. To speak too slowly is miserable work, and subjects active-minded mi- active hearers to the disease called the horrors. It is impossible to hear a man who crawls along at a mile an hour, one word today and one word tomorrow. It's a kind of slow fire which martyrs only could enjoy. <laughs> Excessively rapid speaking, tearing raving, and raving an utter rant is quite as inexcusable. It is not and never can be powerful except with idiots. For it turns what should be an army of words into a mob. Isn't that a beautiful illustration? That's Spurgeon at his best. It turns an army of words into a mob and most effectually drowns the sense in a flood of sound. So your rate needs to have variety. There needs to be times when you speak more quickly and times when you speak slowly. And let those times be controlled by your meditation On the passage. Pitch. Alter the key frequently. Vary the strain constantly. Let the bass, the treble, the tenor take their turn. Monotony causes sleep. Pitch simply means use your voice. You have a full voice. You can be low. And you can reach up high. You've got it all in your voice. It's all there for you. Practice it. Well, the voice shows us the soul of the preacher. Let's close with these three quotes on page number 61. Look at these three quotes from three of the greatest preachers, MacArthur, Lloyd-Jones, and Richard Baxter. MacArthur, with time and diligence, your delivery can improve dramatically. But improvement means change. And change requires honest evaluation. So be honest about the tone of voice that you use. Second one by Lloyd-Jones, preaching his theology coming through a man who is on fire. Theology on fire, logic on fire. And Baxter, I preached as never sure to preach again and as a dying man to dying men. What would your voice sound like if you preached as a dying man to dying men? What would your voice sound like? There would be an intensity in that voice that could not be resisted. They would be persuaded simply by the power of your heart pouring out like an unstoppable river through the intensity of your voice. May God help us to learn to use that tool. Are there any questions as we close?